0: I spray Windex near Alex.
1: That, I, okay, so that, that, that is that I do, I do not like that. Yeah,
0: it's
1: not like I'm eating stuff. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, he's, he's I'm like, like, I'm, like I'm, sleep. Sleep. I'm like breathing in Windex.
0: <laughs> if I do something around him that doesn't smell like how he wants, like if I, if I spray perfume and then he's like, I have to go eat lunch. What are you doing? And I'm like, what does <laughs> what is me having perfume like? Lunch? I was you like,
1: eat? I don't want to bite the Chanel 9. You know what I mean? Like, I of like beat a uh, sub right there. You know, it's definitely smell related. So like like if she if she like I mean literally spraying around the food that I'm eating.
2: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things with
3: Sean and Andrew. A
2: podcast all about
3: couples. And the things they go through.
2: I just took you off guard and I love it.
3: I do too. I love I love you.
2: I love you. Um today is an <laughs> awesome, awesome interview. We could have talked to them for hours. Um I still don't really understand what it is they do because they're such bosses in life, but they own Acquisitions.com, Alex and Layla Hermosi. That's
3: right. So Alex and I share the Vanderbilt connection. He was a fellow Commodore uh, several years ahead of me. His wife, Layla, is now his business partner. They tell the story of how they met and actually were partners in business before they were uh, romantic partners. Yeah. And walked through that story. But they both started in the gym business, so she was a personal trainer. He uh, owned a gym. And then it morphed into something bigger and bigger until they launched a company called gym launch, which essentially was partnering with uh, gym owners to help them do things bigger and better. They exited that. And now as Sean alluded to run acquisition.com where they partially own companies mm-hmm. and are kind of a fractional C suite as he would describe it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but help companies grow from like the $10 million mark to larger and their portfolio of companies does over $100 million in revenue.
2: What's really cool about their job is what they do is they come in, they assess kind of the relationships amongst the business and they either let people go or really work to almost be like marriage counselors within a business to make sure that they have the right people within their system to help them grow. So we talk about how... They run that business, the dynamics of the relationship between them as they work together and as they work. In the other companies.
3: That's right. And There's Alex. There's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. Alex and Lila have recently become content creators themselves. So Alex and all of his mustache, breathe <laughs> right, strip glory, uh, puts out a lot of videos that are super helpful and super thoughtful. And so they've been getting a lot of recent traction, um, especially after he was featured on Graham Steffen's podcast called The Ice Coffee Hour. And uh, really the appeal of these two, I feel like, is just how thoughtful and introspective they are mm-hmm. um, intentional is a word and so this interview brought back a lot of uh, memories of when we sat down with Tom and Lisa mm-hmm. Um and so we hope you like it and if you want to find out more about Alex and Layla and what they're up to we'll link all their information down below including links to their social profiles but thank you to Alex and Layla for joining us uh, if you want to hear part two we alluded to that please let us know. <laughs> I cu- I literally could have gone for two hours, but Sean cut me off. And then Alex and I talked for another half hour after the show. So it was a delightful conversation and uh, we hope you like it as well. And let's just roll into it with Alex and Layla. Alex, Layla, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah. Thanks for
3: having us on. We're happy to be here. Alex, you and I share uh, being Vanderbilt alumni. We have that in common. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. Come on, bro. I had no idea. I think yeah.
2: you guys overlapped one year.
3: Wait, what class? What, uh, once you graduate. I did undergrad 2014 and I went to business school, finished
1: 2015. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I graduated 2011.
3: Okay. Nice. Yeah, 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 But I have bigger biceps though, so we're all good there.
2: <laughs> I think my favorite thing that I read within like our brief that we got is your team sent over that you have the best calves. Alex? Yes. What?
3: We're trying to yeah prove
2: <laughs> it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Prove it.
2: Oh my, oh, my gosh. Hold
3: on. whoa, Hold on. First of all, that's a nice little. Yeah, that's not bad.
2: Let's see yours.
3: Wait. Those are like uh, jumping calves. What's your vert? Have oh, you tested okay. recently? I really no, I
1: have not. Probably in, in a
3: decade.
2: <laughs> I'm going to show yours.
1: Oh, <laughs> nice. Hey, not bad. <laughs> nice. Alex not has not the
3: effective. good edges. Great definition. Sh- yeah. Sean, layla apologies was not expecting yeah. to actually kind of yeah flex on you but um, is okay
1: for this so that's good to know and needed to be heard so um,
2: yeah layla our turn our turn yeah yeah <laughs> I, actually, I
0: should do that as a joke yeah yeah
2: <laughs>
3: wait layla you, you have a background in bodybuilding though correct yeah how long do you do that for
0: uh i mean like i'm not like serious about it anymore i think i stopped when everything started hurting too much like Two and a half and a half years ago i really changed from like training like i did to like just like normal training you know so i still work out you know mostly every day it's just not intense like it used to be mm-hmm. uh, but i think i started when i was like 14 like getting into the, all the fitness stuff dang yeah wow he's been in it for a long time he's just older than me i am just old old man
2: <laughs> how did you guys meet
0: swiped right
2: <sighs> bumble
0: yeah um so, I mean, I obviously, because it was on Bumble, had to be the one to swipe. So, like, I saw that it was like a match. I swiped and I messaged out. So,
1: let the record show. She pursued me.
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, the funny thing is, like, he had his pictures on there. And then, like, when I met him in person, I was like, this picture is like from college, man. And you're just, like, you're like, what, 26 at this point? And you were like, yeah, well, it still
1: works. I was like, it's great. a good picture.
2: <laughs> I was going to ask, what made you swipe right? Mm.
0: Uh, fitness and business. So like, I really liked that. Uh, he said he owned, uh, I think at that time, I can't remember how many gyms it was yeah. four or five. Um, and then that he was in fitness and I was like, Oh, well I would had, had trouble finding people that like, I want someone who's fitness oriented like that. Cause, like, I like that, but I really like business and was learning about sales and marketing more so. So I was like, Oh, that's super cool. We'd have more to talk about and that. And then, you know, immediately after we matched and I messaged him, he was like, let's talk on the phone and just like, get this off the app. And I was like, thank goodness. Cause like So many guys, like they would just like keep talking on there. And I was like, dude, I don't have time for this. Like I'm so busy right now. Like I was a personal trainer. So it's like all day, every day. And he was like, let's go talk. And I was like, this is amazing. I just like it when people are straight to the point. They don't like, you know, beat around the bush.
2: So we want to, we want to get into all of your like businesses and details of that. But I am curious, just jumping straight forward. You guys are both into fitness, like heavily, both into business heavily you guys are both obviously very, very driven and very ambitious, um, which takes very strong personalities. How does that work in your relationship?
1: Layla submits to me 100% in right the in, answer. Dramatically, yeah. dramatically economically, <laughs> like any way you... <laughs> can yeah.
0: I think that we're both um, humble enough to know where the other one is stronger in certain areas. And so like we kind of in the beginning established like our, our domains of like where Alex leads, where I lead. Um, You know, I think even like when I met Alex, I'm like, I'm what, four years behind him? Like, and I didn't have four gyms, you know, I was a trainer. So I was like, I don't know as much as at business as you do. And so I learned a lot from Alex in the beginning. Mm-hmm. um he used to make a joke he's like you're just gonna take everything from my brain and leave <laughs> and i was like you know it was funny because it was so much business and so much at the same time
3: you'd be um, leaving empty-handed layla
0: <laughs> oh. i know right I, would be, <laughs> I think honestly it was just early on realizing that we had to establish those areas of domain and like i think that takes a level of humility like you can be driven but not be picked you know yeah. and so it's like i think there's a difference between two i think a lot of people who are driven it's like, they're very stubborn and like, I know the best, I'm the best at everything. I don't think either of us have that approach. You know, we wouldn't be able to build a team or build an enterprise if we did. Um, so I think the same kind of applies to your marriage.
1: And I think like as a single unifying concept, we care more about what is right rather than who is right. And the ruthless pursuit of that has just always been at the forefront. And so it's not like, well, the last four out of five went to Alex. It's like, well, if it was right, then it's right. And if the last four out of five went to Layla and the next one is also hers, then it, then her point is the one that wins. If we you know arrive there through discussion but like we don't disagree on much and if we do it's more like because we have we have aligned mission in terms of where we want to go and we have aligned values which is how we want to get there and so if we disagree on something typically the first thing either of us will ask the other person is what information are you using that I don't have um, and then that way because the only reason that you have a judgment that would be different from mine is if she either has different information or she's deciding differently. And since we decide so similarly, it's usually just different information that she's working off of. And so just getting our data sources kind of like aligned um, allows us to just skirt a lot of, I think what
0: most people fight about. I think we're super logical when it comes to like disagreements as a couple and things in business, just because like, sometimes like, it's taken a long time and like training for both of us, but like, I'll be able to say like, I'm just being emotional and this has, I, you're completely right. And I'm just being an ass right now. And I need like five minutes to be a crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> and I'll say it, I'll be like, I'm totally being a crazy bitch right now. So like, just bear with me. He's like, I can see that. <laughs> okay. I am, aware. <laughs> I am aware of that. Uh, and I think that it just takes that level of awareness from both of us to know, like we're like, we can admit if each of us are being irrational, And if we don't and we're like spun up in something, then the other one can point it out without the other person getting offended. You know?
3: Wow. Well, first of all, this, your debrief of that is exactly why I was excited to have you guys on the show. You're so, you're so uh, uh, self-aware and thoughtful. And then I was going to ask, yeah, how do you like, you know, deal with emotions? (laughs) (laughs) Because I know you guys don't have kids yet, but sometimes like 2 a.m. in the middle of the night when you're tired and freaking, it's like, there's going to be arguments just because... But I, I guess maybe kind of identifying like, yo, this just sucks. I'm being wild right now. Yeah,
2: but there are a lot of times where I don't want to admit that. I just want to admit that I am right for whatever ridiculous emotional argument I'm starting. Can you causing. give my
3: wife advice then, Layla? Please? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. taken me like for
0: me as like a, a woman, it's taken me years, and I know that there was like a point um, when Alex and I first met, and we were not married yet. We were dating and both of us had like big walls up, you know, we were super stressed. We're building this business. It's like, it's an absolute shit show. We both had very bad habits, like all sorts of things. Right. Um, but I was super cold and had like a big wall up to him. And he said to me, he said, I just want to let you know, like, if you continue to be this kind of like cold person, like, I just don't think this is going to work between us. And he said, it really matter of fact, I remember we were like sitting in a car and I wasn't like, it was this weird moment for me. He's like, I'll never forget it because it wasn't like I was upset that he said it, it like stung because I knew it was true. And I thought to myself, the first thought that popped up was, well, if it's like this for him, it's gonna be like this for anybody. And like, this is something I need, I want to change about myself because like, who wants to be with somebody who has those habits and reacts that way when things are difficult or when I'm feeling emotional. And so I was like, I have to change this for me, not even just for this relationship. So like, I think that that early on kind of set the tone, which is like, you know, anytime, for me specifically, because like, I think, you know, there's certainly you know, women, we can be a little more emotional at times, but I like, you know, totally, I think it's just being aware of it and admitting it. And then like, I know that I want to, it's almost like there's the emotion and there's your reaction to it. It's like, I just work on my reaction to my emotions. And that's like, all I can say is like, for me, it's like, I'm making progress. if like the time that it takes me to de-escalate is shorter progress for me. It's not that I want to eliminate the emotion, but like, or the time it takes me to tell Alex that I'm being emotional. If that shortens because it used to be a week and then it became three days and then it became a day and then it became an hour and then it became 10 minutes and So it's like i look at progress like that for myself not eliminating the feelings but just like how fast can i come to a, a reasonable awareness of what's happening with within my own mind
1: and just as an added thing that i've noticed kind of observing layla is that she's really adamant um in repeating that just because you think it doesn't make it true And she says that a lot to our team. She says a lot to herself, And so it's kind of been this refrain that she continues to come back to, which is like, just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think a thought also doesn't mean it's true. And so just being able to separate just, oh, I feel this way versus what is reality, I think has been really useful for both of us in business and in marriage.
2: I feel like we're going on a tangent, but I'm I'm so curious about this because we talk about arguments a lot on our show with different couples and how they get to their conclusion. Um, You guys said, Alex, you said earlier that you guys just kind of figure out who's right. And that's kind of like the the direction you end up going. Well, if there's any emotion
1: right? just just for what is
2: right, not who is right. What is right. But when you have any type of emotion involved, that can be very very difficult to see. Because if you have any emotional thought, that emotion can make you feel as though your you your argument is correct, right? I, I so how do you guys, it. how do you guys separate? How do you, how do you come to what is right when you both potentially have separate beliefs?
1: I'm trying to think about something that, cause like we really, I mean,
2: I,
0: I have one piece.
1: Yeah, go for it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, something that, um, it's like a phrase. I can't remember. It was some stoic guy said it or whatever, but it's basically like, rather than following what you feel or believe, follow the evidence. Yeah. And so it's like, which it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't really matter what you feel, but like what, evidence supports who or what is right. And so often it's like, what is right is going to be what's aligned with our mission, our values, like as a couple and as a, as business partners, where's the evidence to support that my claim or my thoughts or my feelings are valid versus his claims, his thoughts, his feelings are valid.
1: Yeah. And just as an added one on this, I think a reason that we don't have a lot of disagreements is because the two biggest things I think people argue about is that a lot of people, and you know, we probably have I would say contrarian views on this, but I think a lot of people lose their marriage in the draft, right? They pick wrong. Um, And I know that's not a popular sentiment because once you're married then you're in and you need to deal with what you got. Um, But I do think that some people pick wrong. And I would define picking wrong as having a mission that is not aligned. You guys don't wanna do the same thing with your life. That's hard to rectify. Or you don't wanna get there the same way. You have different values. And so if we can, if those first two things are aligned, which I think the vast majority of people argue about those things and they become much more contentious arguments because like you spend all this time trying to justify one mission for the up versus the other or how one way of get there versus another. And both of those are intangibles. And it's very difficult to argue justice versus mercy because you're always going to have tension there because they're extremes on a continuum. And so people go and relive the same fights over and over again because they're arguing for an ideal. And so if we can eliminate the arguments that happen on ideals and we eliminate the arguments around where we're going, then the only real argument that ever can happen is how we choose to execute on that. And so if both of us have, this is where we're going, this is how we want to get there, then it's just she thinks this is a better way to do that than I do. And then that's where it's like, okay, well, we try and we'll boil down the argument to like a simple statement, which is, okay. So, you think that if we do this, we'll have a higher likelihood of achieving X mm-hmm. than I do. This is what I think the evidence of this. And so then it just becomes a risk adjusted decision. And so then it, it separates it from being Alex's right or Layla's right. And we can separate it to so just like the idea, and we can both attack or support the idea um, on either side. And then it stops being as personalized. And I think that's, I mean, we haven't had many arguments, like, we really have not had many arguments. Like I would say
3: like real arguments. I
0: think we only had like one real. Yeah, only one. Like where it was like
2: days. (laughs) Days.
3: We can can ask about that later. But uh, (laughs) it it, it does take a, a good amount of emotional maturity to be able to like say one of you is right more often, whoever that is. It's like to not... To you not know, um,
1: keep track of it like that. It's, so, it's no, so no that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like we yeah, don't even I'm saying it.
3: it takes emotional maturity to not be like, oh, well, he's freaking, he's always right. And I just want to be right one time. Like, I feel like that is a thing that people experience, not that you do. No, I'm no, saying no, kudos no, to you.
0: Perfect. But I think yeah. it's, it's like trading that short term comfort for long term dysfunction is what you're doing, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you indulge in those negative feelings and that, like, wanting that desire to be right. If you indulge in that, then you just create dysfunction in your marriage. I think it's like I always like hold in my mind. I'm sure Alex is too. It's like we know what we want our marriage to look like. We want to build an empire. We want to build something huge together. We want to make our life represent something meaningful. Just because, like, what else are we gonna do? And so it's like, in order to do that, I can't act that way. Yeah. So it's just like I want that big thing more than I care about being right about the small thing. And so I think if you don't have vision in your marriage, then it's a lot harder to get there. You don't have that really crystal clear vision of like this is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of spouse I want to be. This is what I want them to remember me for. Then like the small stuff becomes bigger. And just
1: as a quick piggyback on that, I think a third dynamic that also allows us to decrease the number of potential disagreements is that we have the mission, we have the values, and then there's also the silos, which is the vast majority of decisions we don't need to make together. Uh, Because there are realms of expertise that these are going to be Alex's decisions and these are Layla decisions. And we've both delegated the, those decisions to the other people so that we can make twice as many decisions and move faster.
3: That's good. It begs a question, and Layla, I think you just alluded to it, but what are Alex and Layla's mission mm-hmm. and what are your values?
0: Yeah, I mean, our, our mission right now is really just to document and share the best practices of building a world-class business. Like, that's, that's what we want to do. And, you know, the interesting thing is, like, our mission has changed. And so, like, for us, when we're deciding like what's our mission, we're like, what do we want to do for the next five, maybe 10, but but five years. And I think that both of us are on board with that because I think your mission is a choice and it has to be something that gets you excited and gets you out of bed in the morning. It's worth all the trouble and the pain of life. Um, and that's what we both decided because I think, you know, in building the the three businesses together that we did, it was really life-changing experience for both of us every time. And I think that we feel that this mission, we both bring innate strength to the table and we're able to accomplish it
1: and I'm just going to add just one wrinkle to that is it's not that we changed our mission it's that we refined the mission. Mm-hmm. So from like what I was saying earlier and having a aligned mission, it's like, well, if people are changing their mission. then that would make mm-hmm. it again, it'd be like messing up the pick. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's just, we've gotten very, we've gotten clearer. And I'm sure in five years, we'll get even clearer on what that looks like.
0: Yeah. It's better with language than me. <laughs> um,
3: Values. Yeah. Did we, did we skip over that? My bad. You know? No, I mean,
0: uh, you know, it's not kind of funny. People are like, what are your values? We're like, our core values of our company are our values. They are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are, just, It just makes it easy. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we've always been like, what are our values like together in life? And then we make those the core values of our company. So unimpeachable character, sincere candor and competitive greatness. Um, and if you really break those down, I mean, you know, Alex, you could probably say more eloquently than me. It's all true. I mean,
1: I think, I mean, I think you nailed that, um, you know, unimpeachable characters is doing the right thing in all contexts. Um especially when no one's looking, because otherwise you don't really have a value unless you do it without the, reward. yeah, unless you do it without reward, as in the value itself is the reward, period. Um, sincere candor is, is really just having uncomfortable conversations when they need to, which is trading long-term benefit for short-term discomfort, right? A lot of people don't want to have the hard conversations um, and just be authentic and aligned with what they really think Uh, when they're talking and so I think sincere candor also has a function of and it it works well with unimpeachable character because it's just alignments of thoughts feelings and actions right like we do we we talk about what we really are thinking and we do the things that are in alignment with that and that's much easier said than done Um, and then competitive greatness is 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 really just the ambition to to do something big and we have a much more eloquent definition on the site but it's you know be the best when your best is needed
2: so referencing your company, can you please tell everybody what it is you do um, for a living, basically, and what your company is? Me?
0: Uh, I, I feel like you say it better because you typed it out so many times. <laughs> um, what do we do? I'm going to say it in like layman's terms. I like <laughs> something that sounds great and stoic. So basically, um, acquisition.com is a portfolio of companies. Uh, we take on companies that are between, you know, three and 10 million in revenue. And we basically, it's almost as if we, we do majority work for minority stake. So we take minority stake in these businesses and we do the same work that like PE firm um, that would be coming in to buy a company would do. And so we're doing that because eventually we wanna be able to buy these companies. Um, and this is kind of like us getting to sink our teeth in at a you know, very, we're providing a lot of value for the amount that we're investing in these companies, um, like a disproportionate amount of value. And so, I mean, that's really what we're doing. You know, it's a lot of, there's really three layers to it, which is there's redoing all their acquisition. There's all the recruiting and the basically hiring, firing, redoing all the people. And then there's the technology, which is usually building out their tech stack. And so, you know, Alex's innate strength is the acquisition piece. My innate strength is the recruiting people piece. And then we have, you know, teams that work on the tech piece, because that's not either of us. (laughs)
2: Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo.
3: Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE.
2: That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE.
3: Do you guys worry that with the end goal of buying the companies out, you adding so much value is upping the price of that ultimate buyout?
1: <laughs> so It's actually more so that we want practice in doing it. We're not, our plan is not to buy these gotcha. owners. is to gain the experience so that when we, gotcha. encom- when we encounter companies like them in the future and we know the playbook because we've done it 50 times mm-hmm. or 100 times, at yeah. that point, we would then make that move. That being yeah. said, we're both really comfortable with how it currently stands. It's a little bit more... There's, there's difficulties in any way you do something. You know, like the grass is always greener one of the interesting things about our model is that we're not kicking out founders. And so we have to be very aligned with the founders in terms of values and mission, right? Um, Because we're really supporting them and what they want to achieve. Whereas if you, if you do a traditional majority buyout, I don't really care what they think. I see what, you know, parts of the business I want and where I think we can take the business. And so, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a finer dance, but in the same time, it's actually really rewarding because we can see these guys create you know
0: generational wealth for themselves. Um, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a partnership rather than an authoritarian relationship. Exactly.
2: So when you guys are choosing which companies to partner with, are you choosing to partner with companies that align in values? Or are you basically...
1: 100%. Always. I mean, that's... Okay. 80, that's 80, everything. 80, yeah, 80% of the selection criteria comes down to this is actually soft stuff. It's qualitative oh. stuff. Yeah. It's do we really think this person has unimpeachable character? Do we really feel like this person exhibits sincere candor? Do we feel like they have competitive greatness? And it's, I mean, honestly, any one of those three values is hard to find in, in many people. There just yeah. aren't that many people who have any of the three. And then two of the three is even rare, and all three is extremely rare. And so our selection percentage is very, very low.
0: Yeah, like um, yesterday, I think we stayed on after we had like a final call with the company, and our team was split. We're like, the whole argument was like, I don't think he's got competitive greatness. And the other team's like, I think he has competitive greatness. And like, everyone's arguing like, is it competitively great? Is it not like, it was like a 45 minute call. And then at the end we're like, if we don't know. We know we can't take him on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, we really like, we make all of our decisions. Those three yeah. values.
3: Are, so you said mission is a choice. Our values? Yeah. Values are a choice for sure.
0: Yeah. Mm. I think, I think we've refined, refined those over time as well. We've refined them. Uh you know, and we even change kind of like the terminology we use. You know, I think they used to be a little bit more extreme. extreme. And I think both of us used to be more extreme. So that was reflected in the values. It was like grow or die, speed is king. Um, Do know, the boring work. Yeah, don't sugarcoat it. Um, yeah. But both of us have probably become more moderate. Yeah.
2: Through working with your partnerships, um, you guys work with relationships, I would guess, all day in the hiring, restructuring, everything. What's the biggest... I guess, flaw or issue that you continually see and what's like the success point or like what's the, what's the thing you work on to kind of bring into a business?
0: I'd say there's two dynamics. There's the dynamic between founders and then there's dynamic between the founder and the team. And that's probably the two dynamics that are usually not, not advantageous to the business when we bring them on. So like the first instance is that there's multiple founders and there's issues going on and they don't. They never, they never, like almost ever (laughs) reveal those to us in the beginning. And so that's something that we have to really learn through the diligence process and like poke at, whether it's a married couple or whether it's, you know, partners in business, family in business, whatever. And
1: and we'll just be like, you know, John, it doesn't (laughs) seem like you work as much as Rick. Rick, how do you feel about that? (laughs) John makes a lot more money than you, Tom. Is that weird? And what we'll does you know what I mean? And just like, we'll just ask because it's what everyone's thinking. And so I think yeah. a big part of sincere candor is just saying what you're thinking so that like stuff can just get resolved and confronted. I
0: think yeah. They're so, they so want to talk to somebody about it anyways, that yeah. it's like the moment you ask, it's like, it's like word vomit comes out. They're like, yeah. I hate him. Yeah. Or like, oh my God, this fucker sucks. He's ruining everything. And you're yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay, this is an issue. No, it is. Uh-uh. <laughs> So it's first resolving like the dynamics there, which is and you know, a lot of times someone ends up either exiting or we end up bringing in someone new for that founding team to you know, make it functional so the business can run. And then the second piece is the relationship that the founder has with the team, which is usually uh, when we come in, it's a it's a conglomeration of people that they like and people who are like them. And that's not what makes a durable business or a, a flexible or adaptable business because if everyone that you bring on has not had a single authentic thought that you have not already thought of, then the business isn't useful. And so that's usually what we see in the beginning. And it's really hard to break the habits of the founders because they love taking in like what I call stray puppies, like people that love them, that have their values, but they're just like a little version of them. They're like, no, they'd be great for this role, Layla. And I'm like, this guy doesn't even have any finance experience. He's not gonna be an accounting manager, you know, just cause you like him. Um that's probably one of the, the hardest things to break as well as they typically, uh, are too soft with their teams at first, because they're just so grateful that people are working for them and that the thing is working. They're like, I don't wanna mess it up. Mm. Um, So usually not harsh enough. They're not, they don't have enough accountability in place yet.
1: Mm. And it's typically a genius with a thousand hands model, right? It's one guy and lots of helpers. And the problem with that from an enterprise perspective is that the business will grow to the cumulative knowledge set of all of the employees including the you know the CEO or founder who's still probably working in the business. The problem that that comes up is when if every person in your business you can do the job better than them, then it means the entire business is actually just the subset of one brain, not many. And so that's what usually actually caps the business is that it's all dependent on the founder. And that's typical of that kind of three to $10 million range. You know, they they spent all this time and energy learning skills and and going to masterminds and doing courses and workshops and all this stuff so that they could level themselves up. And then their business did grow to a certain degree. But at a certain point, in order to grow the enterprise, you just need more brains that come preloaded with solutions so you don't need to go gain five years of finance experience to learn how to do the function.
3: Maybe this is a a common issue with the lower value companies, but like I feel like one issue that I see all the time is like, man, this person's just actually not hiring anybody. And so there's no even accumulation effect, but
0: you know, right. They're like, I don't know if I should spend the money. I don't know if this thing's going to last. I don't know. There's just, it's, it's, they, they can't predict the future. They don't think, they think that they should be able to predict the future of their business when in reality you never can. And because of that, they don't make moves to actually invest in it, which then perpetuates the fact that their business may not exist because they don't reinvest in it.
1: Yeah, and they don't know what ideal scene looks like, and so, so, in, in in whatever businesses you're involved in, there's usually something that starts to come naturally to you. Whatever it is, right, product, marketing, sales, whatever, and you figure that function out. And the thing is, is like, I feel like business is a lot like a video game with levels. In which, once you learn what a good salesperson looks like, you can duplicate it. You're like, this is what that looks like. Let me see if I can do that again. Right, it's pattern recognition, and so. When you're leveling up, it becomes more difficult to see like, what's a CFO look like? If you've never had one before, it's really hard and it takes a lot of trial and error. And that's what wastes time and exposes the company to more risk. And so the idea is like, if we can, if we can inject as many, we can use our own pattern recognition on what is, what is, we know what a business's size should look like. And then we know what each of the people within those functions look like. And so we can easily pattern-recognize, place, pattern-recognize, place, and then very quickly assemble the infrastructure that then the company just grows on its own right after that.
3: So am I uh, correct in saying that your portfolio companies does uh, $100 million in revenue? Is that correct? And how big is your internal team? 11. 11? Yeah. You mentioned pattern recognition with uh, recognizing and placing. Do you use any, is it just like a feel thing at this point? Like, oh, that's a good CFO, CFO. Or is it like, hey, take these personality tests and do these evaluations. Do you do all that or no?
0: At this point for me, it's just pattern recognition. Like, and yeah. that's something I try to transfer to them, to the team. Like, you know, we've got people from like McKinsey, for example, like he has the same pattern recognition. He's like, that guy is a city CFO. You know, because he's just seen enough CEOs or CFOs to know what it yeah. should look like and what it's right. Um, so it's pattern recognition. You know, I think, I use personality tests to confirm or deny that the person is who they are representing in the interviews. So it's not to say like this guy's a D or an I it's he came off like a D or an I does his test test like a D or an I because sometimes if those things mismatch, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're being kind of fake in the interview. Maybe they're a bad tester, you know,
1: It's more to validate what we're already seeing than it is to use to create a conclusion.
0: Yeah.
2: I feel like you guys spend a lot of your time coaching to a certain extent you're constantly trying to like improve and coach and teach and kind of guide does that ever get in the way of your marriage not
0: really i think that you know we're both aware enough that like we'll be like are you doing that to me you know what i mean like <laughs> and sometimes though i want that you know sometimes if i'm like spun up to something I'm like Can you just talk i just need you to talk to me about it. like i need you to coach me right now um it's rare rare you know it's like if, if there's something that's like really on my mind i don't you know we really don't do that to each other i think I don't think that's useful because I think most of the times in a relationship, you just want someone to listen.
1: Yeah. I think it it really, the the handful of times that we get into that kind of coachy dynamic is when it's a clear walk into the other person's domain. So Mm -hmm. if I'm like, I think I am fucking up, sorry. I don't know if if that's um, (laughs) on uh, you know, on on some of my, my meetings, I've just like, I have not been very good um, at managing that. That's clearly Layla's domain and so i'd be like this is what i'm doing She'd be like maybe think about doing this way and this one this way and then it's great and on the flip side layla's like making more content now and making more presentations which has been very much my kind of part of the house um, and so she's been like can you look at these what do you think about this and i'm like ah i would restructure this i put a story here this is a little plan you know whatever and so i think it's just when we when we clearly cross into the other person's domain is where it kind of shifts a little bit but there's not anybody else that i'd ra- like i think layla's exceptional at what she does um, and so I feel like it's just kind of cheating that I just happen to be married to her. So I just get top tier
2: insight. Because you guys work together and your business is together. We, I don't want to say struggle with this, but it's something that we've had to work on. Where are your boundaries at home of when can you work? When are you husband and wife? And when are you partners in business?
1: So excited for this question. There are no <laughs> yeah, there are no there rules. There are no rules. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, so we, when we, when we got into this game, we had all these different coaches and mentors that are like, Me, you must. So it's, uh, I'm going to use Trevor's term, but masturbation, right. Is, uh, you have to, we must, we should, we need to, et cetera, which is actually an implied threat because it's, we need to, or what, or what. Right. And so, um, you know, we started untangling some of the things that people had spoken on us about things that had to happen, yeah,
0: you have. Stop working at five. You have to do date nights. You
1: have to. Yeah. And we just decided that we would just do what we wanted to do. Just so
0: self-regulate.
1: If we feel like we're getting too worky, we'll just be like, hey, let's cool it for a day and let's take the day off. And then we'll take the day off. And if we want to work for 14 days straight, then we'll work for 14 days straight. Like we just we just don't have rules that regulate the behavior. It's just the outcome and how we're feeling about it. And then we adapt and
0: I on think- the fly. I think that if you refine and you just continue to work on your communication with your partner then you allow yourself more flexibility in these routines because if you have to keep strict you know it's like the person who's like don't text me after five i will never respond it's like but if you could just communicate hey today i don't want you to text me after five i'm just feeling a little run down versus maybe on other days you want to work until eight or nine you know and so it's if the better and the more that we communicate and it's like there's days where i'm like hey like I know that you're working all day. I really just wish you weren't so you could hang out with me. Maybe you could hang out with me after you're done working. I'm just being whiny, right? Or like, this is like two days ago. Yeah, that's what it happened. <laughs> so I was like, God, I feel so guilty because you're writing your book right now, which is taking up all the weekends. And I'm like, all I want to do is go to the pool with you. And he's like, oh, I'm writing my book. And I'm like, I know. And I feel like such a terrible wife that I even have the thought. But I'm like, but I'm going to express it. I don't need him to do anything about it. But then he probably will, like, you know, have dinner with me and we'll go on a walk or something. So I think it's like the more that you can express your feelings to your partner about what you desire or what you want, the less you need to have these rigid routines.
1: And it's it's uh, it's kind of spirit of the law rather than letter of the law. I think a lot of people like, so if you can't function on values, you have to create rules and rules suck.
0: Because <laughs> they crap. It's like mm-hmm. confined.
1: They're constraints. That's what they are. They become more
0: stressful than the thing that you were trying to prevent of being stressful in the first place.
1: Yeah. And so, um, but to touch on probably, uh, some of the spirit of the, uh, the other side of that question is, um, I think we've gotten better and better at switching between our business dynamic and our marriage dynamic. Um, and you know, I think our, our mannerisms, our tone of voice, and, you know, we even have cues for this at this point where Layla just be like, I need husband Alex. I'm like, okay, bleh, all right, got it. I'm here. What's up? You know what I mean? Cause I tend to be more aggressive, more, um, you know okay. more rational less emotional when i'm in i'm in like business or so you can if you want to share that you can
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> we have like little things that we say to like know the transition like you know the, the tool asana mm-hmm. yeah i was like i'm putting in an asana ticket you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah <laughs> yeah or like a, a support. i'm like i'm just letting you know if I'm putting a support ticket today yeah
1: and so it'll be like and it's kind of nice though is that that's worked well for us because like we've I've met couples that like plan sex. I'm like, that sounds that's fucking horrible. No, we tried um, that. that was terrible. Yeah. And so it's more like you're on alert. You know what I mean? It's like, and you know, when the opportunity presents itself, like we'll both step away or whatever. But um, just little things that I think you learn, you know, throughout being married and whatnot. And 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 I'll say the same thing back. I'll be like, Hey, I need I need I need wife Layla here. Like I don't need business partner Layla. And so it's just I think we've gotten better at communicating just that 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 sentiment itself. Um, because otherwise you just, you bring a marriage thing and then you get responded to with a business person. And it's, it just, it's not what the other person wants.
3: The support ticket is hilarious. Like, <laughs> I, I had a question and I, I just can't get past that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I just uh, think yeah. they're hilarious. Yeah. So. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's, uh, so Sean and I are in a place where values is something that's been coming up more and more. So we're growing our business. We have a team of, uh, six for the content side of things and we're, essentially acquiring media properties uh, that fall under our value set essentially. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's been really, uh, we actually did a whole episode on the podcast with a guy who put together like a value course because you're kind of walking in the dark at the beginning. You know, my first inclination was like Googling Mm -hmm. what are good values to have. And then like choosing my favorite looking words, but there's like a, an interesting process he took us through. Like writing down the situations that you thrived in writing down the situations where you felt really uncomfortable or like didn't thrive. And then like noticing the patterns between those. And like, it's this whole thing. So, uh, the value and having those explicitly stated is something that every mentor of mine has just been hammering home, both from a personal standpoint and, uh, <clears throat> and a business. But you, uh, Alex, you mentioned on, uh, Graham Stefan's podcast, uh, that you're a nihilist.
1: I like. I think labels are are aggressive in general, but like, I just don't think that things have inherent meaning, capital M. I think that we can create whatever meaning we want and ascribe that meaning to circumstances and situations, but that is what I would consider little m meaning, not big M meaning.
3: Layla, do you, are you do you share the sentiment of that philosophy?
0: I always have, just because, you know, I and I I think i don't have a problem with what anyone's like yeah. meaning of life is or what like if it's sure. religious not religious if you think it means nothing or everything i don't care as long as it serves you there's nothing wrong with whatever meaning it is so i think and i think for most people you know for example like i'm not religious but i think that re- religion as a meaning of life and and what it represents is really good for most people yeah mm-hmm. um like i sometimes you know feel like man that would be nice um but you know i just don't have that but I think that like, if you, you know, you study the brain, the brain is a ma- meaning making machine. And so I think that that's awesome. And because it, what it means is that for every negative experience you have, you can just be like, oh, "That's this is my brain, can, you know, making up a story. I can always change it. I don't have to believe the story that my brain's making.
1: Yeah. Or even articulate it differently for every experience we have that we initially deem negative. We can choose to ascribe a different meaning to that situation and make it a positive one if we so
0: choose. And you see sure. that in a lot of things, you know, I, every time you post something on social media, you know, you get people looking at it in two different ways, right? It's like, well, it's not who's right. It's just what one's going to serve you, you know? And I think a lot of times that's why I think it's so cool to think like nothing actually has meaning. It just has whatever meaning you ascribe to it because then you can constantly question your own beliefs about what things mean. I just, (laughs) the
3: labels are tough, but I just, don't see you guys as nihilists and maybe my understanding of what that term is is wrong but like from from watching your content from afar for a while now it seems like you're driven by too much purpose whether it's self-ascribed or not it feels like you're doing it out of uh some like place of being compelled to because you know it's good so i don't like in my mind i'm like nah you're you guys got too much purpose for that, but I don't know. That was just wonderful.
1: You know what I mean? I think it's, and I think it's little P purpose, not capital P purpose. That's all.
0: And we create our own purpose. You know, we have those discussions. We had a year and a half of what's our, you know, what is our, our refined mission? Like what is our purpose in life? And I think, you know Tony Robbins talks about he's like, you get to choose, choose what that is. Yeah, you don't find it, you don't discover it, you choose it. So it's yeah. like, what do I want? And I think it takes away the pressure to say like for the next five years, even what will my purpose in life be for five years? Yeah, for a season.
2: This is very unpopular opinion. We've had this conversation many times, um, and I'm sure our demographic won't agree with it. But I relate to Layla in the sense of everyone's purpose and meaning, and what you both are saying. I feel like. Everybody just gives a different, different definition of what that is. So no matter what religion, no matter what title, I truly believe to a certain extent, it can all be the same exact thing. People are just naming it differently. Does that make sense? like
1: naming the word purpose differently, like using a different yeah. word for what we are using. What,
2: like this I mean, case. whatever, if you follow Christianity or if you follow Buddhism or whatever it might be, whatever title you give yourself, you're, you're defining purpose and you're draw, like where you're going in life. And I, I truly feel like it's all, it could potentially all be the same.
3: What were you going to say, Alex?
1: Oh, no, I, I, you know, my closest friend, Dr. Torkashi and I, like we talk every week. He's the one who helps me edit my book. Um, He's, He's brilliant. brilliant. And, you know, he delineates this and, and it, it it may come off pejorative and I don't mean it that way. And again, I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. Negative. Um,
2: <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. I didn't know either. I was like, cool. <laughs>
1: it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like we say these things and the nature of our worldview is that everyone's worldview is like, if if it serves you, that's all like, I'm good. And the only I actual would. difference between our worldview and another worldview is that they believe their worldview is capital M mm-hmm. meaning, and we believe the worldview is little m meaning it's just that they're choosing to call it that rather than that the universe has that they have no insight into somehow has created this meaning even though there's a zillion galaxies and a zillion you know like like that's right mine is to recycle sure. on like you know whatever right and so um anyways not to get not to get into that tangent but I,
0: well and I think yeah. one thing that for either of us, like, you know, we work with a ton of people that have all sorts of beliefs and all sorts of, you know, different purposes in life. And, you know, they ascribe meaning very differently than the two of us do, you know, it's probably contrary to most people that we work with. Um, And that's because- that's okay. That's okay because we're not going to try and deconstruct Mm -mm. their beliefs to just to feel that we're right and to defend ours. And I think that that's the only issue amongst people who have different beliefs and different ways of seeing the world is when they try to just, destroy someone else's so that they can defend their own so they can feel better and more secure. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the, you know, controversy comes from It's just that people don't know how to disagree without hating somebody.
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Super love that point.
2: We've had, we've had that conversation a million times where I think it, it defeats everybody's individual purpose when they try to put someone else's purpose down because they believe theirs is right.
0: I mean, I'm super happy for anyone who's like living a fulfilled, great life. They like their life. Like you believe in, you know, we're on like, we're from a different planet and we're (laughs) starting. So you believe that we're, you know, Christianity and God, like, I don't care as long as you're happy. Like, do you.
3: But you do think it's good and important to have meaning, whether it's big M or little M.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the differentiator between little M and big M is there is no difference besides the outside judgment of something that we don't know claiming that this one is the absolute truth. And then you get into like, well, then you're saying that your truth will have the little M is the absolute truth. And you're getting get into all that. That's
3: not my thing. Uh, I'm curious. You mentioned your doc, your friend, who's a doctor, I believe he's a philosopher that you've uh, mentioned in the past. What are other uh, sources of knowledge or Content or thought that you guys each have, whether it's books, podcasts, you know, your favorite authors, or whatever it is, I'm curious.
0: That's a tough one.
1: It is. So I'll give you a little bit of background. So I mean, like I, I studied apologetics for five years. I was very, very, very into the Christian faith um, for a very long period of time, and I think a lot of those viewpoints have influenced me. I also uh, really like a lot of the Stoics in general. I, and as silly as it sounds, like I've I've read lots of. Excerpts and snippets. It hasn't been like Marcus Aurelius' book or his meditations or whatever. Um, but a lot of it, I think, has been a, a self-guided path of you know what what makes sense to us. Um, and for everyone who is listening, if what we said you don't agree with, you are right, and that's okay. Like and that's fine. Like you are right, and that's fine. You know, um, like we don't claim to be right. This just this is what this is how we see the world, and it has served us well. Um, and it just helps us do what we want to do and live a life that we enjoy.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's tough for me because I used to consume a ton. Um, like I, I think I consider myself really studious. And so like I would study a lot and read a ton of books. And I honestly stopped in the last like two years because I realized that you spend a lot of time consuming rather than like freely thinking for yourself and constructing your own thoughts and ideas about the world. And so I've spent a lot more time just thinking and kind of creating and writing and frameworking my own thoughts about things just based on my own experiences Um, because I think like humans were susceptible to other people's opinions so like I am very careful about what I consume I think the best advice I ever got was actually from our friend you know Dr. Cashy who was like you know go read old books right like the sources of all the new books there's really no new information it's all just said in a different way and so you know reading the books that are you know on stoics or like the first psychologists ever out there like those kinds of things are kind of the root of most things you know, the root of how you structure a business, the root of human psychology, the root of all those things. I would rather go to the source than to find a book that's you know kind of poo-hooed up to just like sell. Yeah. Most books people make to make money.
1: Yeah. The older the older the problem, the older the solution. Right? Like so these these are not new, new problems. You know I mean? So they have old solutions that already exist.
3: Mm. You ever read the book Guide to the Good Life? It's about stoicism. It's mm-hmm. good. It's just like a, a I'd never learned about stoicism until I read the book, but uh I think I prescribe to a lot of those thoughts. Is that right? Subscribe to a lot of thoughts. There There you go. Um, Yeah.
2: Um, We ask this question to every couple who comes on the show. In business and in your personal lives and your dating and marriage, if you were to give someone one piece of relationship advice, what would it be? I'd like
0: to, I'll
1: go first. Yeah. (laughs) um be rational and that's and that's an incredibly loaded statement for most people because they can't be rational in general but business marriage dating you know i think the reason that layla and i had a very atypical relationship when we met each other you know we met and we had similar interests which was the the real spark it was actually not romantic interest at all and we weren't even sure if we were going to like really date date um, like I think on our second date, it was like, you feel more like a friend. Because um, <laughs> I like maniacally laughed, but... Um, Everything changed. Yeah. And then yeah. It sense. But, uh, but it, was, it was more like, does this rationally make sense? And the thing is, is a lot of times if you can make rational decisions when the emotions dissipate, all you have is the rational reasons that will remain. And the feelings towards a business, the feeling towards a person or your wife or your spouse like the emotions will come and go, but if the reasons that you chose the person are based in rationality, then those will remain when things get hard and they will guaranteed get hard. And so I see the rational reasoning behind making decisions as the foundation and the bedrock and the emotions are just the, the icing. Uh, but like that, but if you build your house right on, on the icing, it's just gonna melt on a hot day. And so, That's, that's really, I think that the foundational, I mean, honestly, the foundational principles of our, of our marriage and our relationship in general is just trying to make rational, like doing our very best to make rational decisions. Um, And when we do that, we continue to be happy with the outcomes on a long time. Yeah. You
0: know, I was going to say, I just think the game is won in the draft. So I think it's the same principles that apply to business. You know, it feels really hard when you don't have the right people on the team. I think the same for marriage. I think a lot of people get married because of sunk costs, for example, they've been in a relationship four years, five years. They think this is what we need to do rather than like, would I date this person if I met them today? Um, And so I think a lot of people aren't willing to make the hard calls to set themselves up for success later in their life. And I think that That's why, I mean, I think it's a lot of the reason that like marriages are failing nowadays, you know? It's like, people are making these decisions based on feelings, which feelings by their nature are fleeting. They're not making it, again, like I said, based on rational, like, is this the person I could be partners for the rest of my life with? And it's like, those feelings disappear, and then you look and you're like, she's hot, but she's fucking crazy. (laughs) Or like, you know, he's got money, but he's disgusting. You know, and so it's just like, I think at the end of the day, it's just like, if you can put more effort into who you pick, There is less effort that you have to put into the marriage.
3: And today's show is brought to you by the one, the only AG1.
2: We are getting ready to go on our first full family vacation in, it's probably... How long? Probably never.
3: Well, yeah, we've never had two kids. We've never had
2: two kids. We've never gone on vacation with the kids and my parents. It's going to be so much fun. But as we're packing, we are packing like our supplement drawer up and we had to include enough AG1 packets for the whole family.
3: I always take my AG1 after breakfast. And with just one scoop of AG1, there are 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right.
2: I have a lot of people ask me, Because we're such geeks about our supplements if i were to take just one thing just one thing a day what would you recommend and i truly believe for your multivitamin purpose ag1 is the best thing out there
3: also the taste is so interesting it keeps me coming back and their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all the things
2: all for less than three dollars a day so To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash EastFam.
3: Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash EastFam to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We'll also link it down below, and let's get back to it. Alex, you know, sales guru. Can you walk me through <laughs> what was his pickup line and how did he propose? How did he, what was the salesmanship he used to win you?
0: Mm. <laughs> pickup line. I, there was no pickup line. He no. so approached me. <laughs>
1: okay. sale. I had the prospect coming to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, no uh, pickup line. Um, just like, can we get on a phone call? You know, whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think what was uh, attractive in the beginning was his, uh, I don't know if it was persistence or persistence in like interest maybe, you know, it was like, we went on a date and then he had like 20 minutes, we had to go grocery shopping for this dinner. And he was like, we left the date. And I remember the moment, all of a sudden I hear a knock on my window and I'm calling my friend to tell her how the date went, it was our first date. And then he's on the window, he's like, could you spend 20 more minutes with me You just come grocery shopping And I thought it was like the cutest thing, not cute, sweet, or whatever. Um, He's like, we can just keep talking. And I was like, that's cool. So we went and bought like steaks and potatoes and stuff. Um, And then he went to cook me dinner the second date and then told me after about the food that he doesn't know how to cook the dinner. Um, (laughs) He's like, we'll figure it out. Um,
2: But I think, you know. Did you actually not know how to cook the dinner?
0: Well, she cooked it, so it worked out
1: well. (laughs) I was really just foreshadowing.
2: Alex has never tried to be
0: anybody but himself. Like he's never tried to, what I really appreciate about Alex is like, he's just never compromised who he is to impress me or to try and like get me to think he's someone else. Like I remember it was like probably a few weeks into our relationship or dating, whatever. And he like walked out of his room, butt ass naked on the phone like a business conversation, just start like doing stuff, making a protein shake, just butt ass naked. And-
3: That's the pickup line. What do you mean <laughs> there was no pickup line? That was like lacking <laughs> it,
0: in- <laughs> whatsoever. And I was like, "What are you doing?" And he was like, "I always walk around naked, so like you're just gonna get used to it." And I was like, "This is so weird." Like you're like making a protein shake, you're on the phone. You're like, "What is this?" And I'd like never met anyone who's so was so comfortable just being naked. Um, And I thought that was really cool. And like, you know, then he would when he got dressed, he would wear sweatpants and a white beater. And I'm like. You don't want to get dressed up. And he's like, I don't give a shit. And I was like, okay. You know, and like, I just, I was, I've always just loved about Alex and he's just like absolutely himself. I'm like, I, He doesn't care what other people think, including me. And I think that's great. Like, I think he cares, I think of who he is as a person, but, but I wouldn't be with him if I didn't think he was a great person. And so it's just like, he's never tried to impress anybody but himself. And I think that that's always been what has attracted me to him. And then second to that is how he proposed was, he just said, "Do you think it makes sense if we got married?" <laughs> it wasn't in like what a context. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, uh, well, you, you can you can tell that part.
1: Yeah, so I uh, so I had I had been engaged uh, right before I met Layla, and so I really was not in like let's get into a relationship mode. And like the whole time we were dating, I was like, "We're month to month." I was like, "No sign coming <laughs> back." Thirty days. 30 we're on a days.
2: rental basis here.
1: We still are yeah, we still are month to month. Um, <laughs> and so anyways It got to the now. point where it was like okay this is like This is the thing and so um, I kind of like ended things on like Open terms if you know what I mean it's kind of like messy Like maybe in the future or whatever um, I was like I need to like tie this off And so I can like be 100% in And so um, I went to go Basically fly to spend the weekend with my my Former fiance and Layla Took that as we're breaking up and I took that I was
0: as, like go absolutely, go Your former fiance
1: okay You yeah. know, like,
0: about
1: now and i was like i'm going to end like i was like i'm doing this to like end it and resolve it and be you know and, like and be 100 but anyway she just didn't believe me um and so she went spent like the whole weekend like back home with her dad alex left me like blah 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 i come back and uh i had like a bouquet of flowers and i was like here you go um and i think it would make sense if we got married like what do you think and she said yeah and i was like okay well i guess we need to get you a ring then and so then we went. Uh, we got in the car, went to the store, got a ring, came back 45 minutes later, and I was like, "I guess we should pick a church." And so <laughs> we went. You know, I called up uh, like the local pastor, and he's like, "Are you sure? Like this seems fast." And I was like, "Yeah, you free Wednesday?" And he was like, "Yes, yeah, meet me after the service." No so way. Went to the back, got married without anybody, no parents, no nothing, and then we told everybody later.
3: Wow, how soon after you started dating? I'm curious. From
1: eleven months. I was it 11? Right? No, it was 13.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh true or false uh alex's bumble picture had a, a hat a wife beater and a breathe right strip
0: Layla, false <laughs> Artic. Artic. it's like a shirtless pickup in the pool i'm calling <laughs> oh
2: uh, okay a- i have a last question
3: I was going to keep going. No. I was just going to run over the one o'clock. How, no, how firm is your, are you guys hard out at one? Yes. Andrew. No, we're going to keep rolling.
2: No, we're hard out at one. Frick. <gasps> we have children. <laughs> we have children. Um. So we heard from Kristen kind of what it was and what it is about you, Alex. What is it for you about Layla?
1: Yeah. Layla's made of steel. Um, and that's, I mean that was that was that was the things. So, I mean, like I can I, r- rather than talk about that, I think giving you two examples is probably more meaningful. And so, when I basically had my entire life tumbling around me, like nine months after we had met, so this is like not nine months, probably like six months after we had met, because um, we were living together five weeks after we met um, in motels. So, I was trying to do this new thing called gym launch, and so we were flying out. A number of things happened. I got into a DUI, head on collision. My mother was sick in the hospital. Um, I had seven businesses or eight businesses at the time with different partners, um, which was a horrendous mess. Um, I just lost all of my money uh, that I'd put into one of the business partnerships after selling out some of the other ones. Um, and then the processing that we had for our new business got shut down and she just asked six of her friends to quit their job to join us. And I had $1,000, and our cost for the new business was 3300 a day. And so I kind of sat down with Layla and I was like, this has a very low likelihood of succeeding. Like, like the chance of success here is quite low. Um, and I said, to was like, you know, this is your out. Like, if you, if like, we're cool, like I will respect you, I appreciate you. And like, if we leave, if you want to leave now, we're cool. Um, and that's when she kind of, i just leaned in and was like, I sleep with you on her bridge if it came to that. And so that was when I knew that, like, she was it, you know. Um, And that was my moment of knowing that I like this was the girl I was going to be with. Um, The second one happened earlier in our relationship, which is right when I lost everything. The first time. (laughs) Winner. We had I needed basically we broke up, essentially. Um, and it wasn't even a breakup. It was like, I was so stressed out of my mind. Cause I had all those things I just talked to you about happened all within like 90 days.
0: Alex just like stopped communicating. And I looked at him one day. I was like, do you want to like not be together? And he was like, yeah, and I, I, I like- just like
1: shut down. I was like, so beyond maxed out in terms of my mental capacity. I just, I had no room for anything. I was trying to put out a hundred fires. And so anyway, she wants to go launch a gym because she still worked for me technically. And so she wants to go launch this gym, like basically right after we you know, kind of broke up and she had no real future after just quitting her job of like three years and building up her entire book of personal training clients that she had left behind to join me, um, which was a really shitty situation for her. And so she went out and just murdered the launch. And I really needed the money that was going to come from this. And so I, I don't remember how much I had, but it was 10 grand to send her there. I don't think I had that much more than 10 grand. And so it was like, you need to put the team on your back because i have to put all these other fires out and like you need to go make the money for this this launch which is like a 100 grand um and she killed it she set the record for sales still to this day uh for like a 28 day period of time um and that cash is what ended up getting me out of a lot of the messes that i was in so i could just be broke rather than below broke um but it was so it was just when things got hard, she got harder. And I think that the people that I had in my life up to that point, I was accustomed to always being the one putting the team on the back, on like on my back. And I was fine with that. I didn't really think there was another way to do it. And so when she did that, um, I was like, man, there's two of us.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that was when it was much more, and I think Layla and I have said this probably before, but um, in the Bible, there's only one thing they talk about in the entire Bible in terms of selecting a mate. The rest of it is on how to manage the mate you picked. But there's only one thing on selecting the mate, and it's you want to pick someone you'd go to war with. And I think that if people use that as their actual frame, that they would do much better in the pick. And when I looked at it through that frame, there was no one else that I'd rather be beside me. And so that was why Layla is the one that I married.
3: Wow, that was the best answer we've gotten, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good luck, Layla. <laughs> How are you? Okay, okay, fine. I'm curious, Alex, you just unpacked a lot there. What do you uh, accredit, though, you being able to turn your life around and get to getting to where you are as opposed to ending up like every other person who's gotten a DUI, had failed businesses, et cetera, et cetera, which is like, you know, mediocrity.
1: It's a decision to continue when it's hard. And I think for me, I was very, very fear driven. And the fear of failure, the fear of judgment that I perceived from the outside, especially for me, from my father, was like, that was more difficult and painful than anything that the world could throw at me. And so for me, I kind of clung onto that pain as my barometer for the pain I was willing to endure to continue. Mm. And so I think I I thought about this a lot at that time in my life. It was a repeated, you know, frame of mind that I'll share. I haven't thought about it much recently because I haven't needed to, but it's amazing what you can accomplish when you have no choice. And so like, when you think about like the atrocities that have happened from one human to another, you look at slavery, you look at you know, mass genocide, things like that. The things that people go through in those circumstances, they are able to weather it and they're able to weather it because they don't have a choice. And so if you, if you remove the choice, which was the decision that I said at the beginning, then you really only have one path to take, which is just to continue and to endure and to hope that someday it will be better. Mm. And then just continue to strive towards that.
3: That's deep. Uh, it reminds me of man's search for meaning. Hundred percent. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. great book.
3: Last, I, I'm just going to keep asking questions until I'm told not to. But you have to wrap, Layla. It. So, so you, you
2: have to
1: wrap. I mean, like, we're good on
3: time. So both you ways. both being matter of fact and logical are words that I've heard multiple times. Is that uh, mutually exclusive with being romantic?
0: Do you mean like are we like that romantically?
3: Can can one be matter of fact and logical and at the same time romantic is Alex romantic
0: is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a... in my own way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, I think who we are romance in its own way. It's It's just a different dynamic for us. You know, I think our tone of voice changes, how we talk to each other changes, you know, the things we do together changes. I think that's more how I would, I wouldn't even like think like how, Is he matter of fact? I mean, I think we're pretty upfront about like our desires and our needs with one each other or one another, but, um, I
1: don't, hmm. I think it's just the switching gears between, you know, business you and, and husband you. And so like, for me, like my literal tone of voice goes up when I'm talking more like in, in husband me, I'm definitely cutesier, uh, that I would, I probably wouldn't put on my YouTube, um, you know, with Layla behind closed doors, you know, we make, sillier jokes and make faces at each other and like that's you know
0: i think it's especially like with how we are now i mean i think it's just like like alex is the only person i feel like i can be my like absolute most vulnerable self with right and i think that that's like where real romance is created is when you're just able to be yourself and not be fearful right it's like a complete feeling of safety and security that that person isn't going to judge you for how you act what you do in that like safe space with each other and so i think that we absolutely create that. It's just, it's learning to switch between the business and the personal, and I think that we've become really good at it. I think it was hard in the beginning.
1: Yeah, because we actually business came natural to us. Mm-hmm. Like so, that was actually the the easy part. The harder part was creating that romance. And so we were, you know, big believers in Tony Robbins stuff, where it's like you can you can you can do love, right? You can do the actions that create love. It's much more difficult to do the actions that create respect. Uh, you know what I mean? And so I think that foundationally, the rational reason that we picked one another is because we both respected one another. And so it's a, it it is a relationship based on respect, not love, the love we've learned. Um, but I think a lot of people, it's much more difficult to go the other direction and Mm -hmm. have love. And which, you know, for most people is just chemical, chemicals in their brains that are just filling up. Um, and then when those chemicals dump out after, you know, 24 months, there's just nothing. Um, Besides, sunk cost of being together for a long time.
3: Was it always very clear that you guys wanted to get like marriage was the right play for you guys, as opposed to it was all, that was always it?
1: I think that we always made our decisions within the context of if we don't see one another work, if we don't see this working in the long term, we're not going to stay in the short term. We both approached it that way.
0: Yeah, I don't think either of us like wanted to to stay in something that didn't have yeah any vision to it.
1: So we both went on like. I mean, she went on a lot more than I did, um, but like lots of dates. And I think a lot of people go on like one date and then they're like, yeah, I guess we can just keep doing see how it feels like. If we know that we're not going to be with someone, we're just willing to do the short-term discomfort of saying, I don't think it's going to work. Wish you the best.
0: Most yeah. people don't want to be alone. So yeah. it's like, they'd rather find somebody who's like, it eh, than like take the time to really find someone that they like really just like, would rather be with than be alone.
1: And I think that that actually is one of the big reasons why a lot of people can't find, can't, and I'm saying that with like, it's a strong word to say, but can't find good relationships because they cannot be alone with themselves and therefore pick whatever is in front of them because they all, so like the strength you have in any negotiation is based on the options that you have outside. And so if your options outside are really poor because you hate yourself, then it's very difficult to make a good negotiation choice because you'll always take whatever deal is in front of you because you have no other options. And so we have to create the optionality for ourselves by being willing to be alone and be happy being alone um, so that we only move towards something that is better than our current state. And for many people, better than their lonely current state is whatever they have, which is why they make the rational, I'll use quotes here, choice of, of being with the person they have, because the only thing worse than their terrible marriage is how they are alone. Mm-hmm. And so I think how high you can ascend your marriage is predicated on how how much how comfortable you are with yourself. Mm.
2: We've actually seen that firsthand with friends of ours who are so desperate to find someone that it's almost like they can't because if we have any suggestion or someone has a suggestion, they're like, absolutely, I'll go on a date. Are they wife material? Let's do it. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like you should probably work on yourself first and then actually think of what it is you want, not just take whatever's out there.
3: You're like cannibalizing your own desire by like clinging too tightly. Maybe. I don't know.
2: Okay. Last question. And then we got to let them go.
3: Okay. I I got a couple more, but you you can ask your last question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it was going to be lighthearted and this will be the wrapping question. We will have you guys on for a second interview. How about that? Um, What is, because we've asked it for, what is your biggest pet peeve with each other? mine for andrew is he uses paper towels all the time for his hands whatever it is and he will set it on the counter next to the trash can it's
3: called being resourceful you guys familiar yeah. with this concept let it dry so let it dry out so you can use it.
2: for sure <laughs> for sure
3: <laughs> If it's gonna start an argument we could just in the yeah.
0: episode no, i'm, tr- I'm I trying I'm, to think yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I think i know yours yeah go
1: for it you say yeah, you're yeah. Uh,
0: Oh, I mean there's two there's one his nose strips that get stuck everywhere so I like, get <laughs> nose strips and I like I like walking it like ends up on my fucking foot and I'm like what <laughs> yeah. um and then probably just like he forgets <laughs> personal hygiene sometimes oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so like Alex would forget to brush his teeth for a few days and I'm just Love like it. bro
2: he does the same thing and my then he gets guy. mad at me when I'm like babe your breath smells bad and he's like Why are you always coming at me? I'm like, okay,
0: (laughs) you haven't brushed your teeth in a week. Come on. Funny because Alex will just run and be like, oh, really? It's that bad? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. And then he goes and runs and does it. But it was something that like, I'd be like,
2: how have you not showered in three days? And he's like, I I just forgot. Yeah, that's that's him. Also, I will say the breathe right strips. So Andrew just started trying to use mouth tape. Yeah,
1: have you seen I was this actually going to start using that myself. I actually this <laughs> is just got to recommend it. <laughs> Highly recommend Hold really?
2: up. No. I'm, no. It's a, it's a terrible review from the wife's side because he tries wearing it and loses it every night. And he's like, where'd my mouth tape go? And I'm like, I don't know. He's found it on his legs before. <laughs> I found it on my, like on me. I'm like, this is disgusting. No, mo- no more mouth tape.
3: When it stays, though, it, it it's actually amazing. Like, just it forces you to breathe out of your nose, but not in like a uncomfortable way. So, I would try it out for sure. I, I will. Like, fit, will. Yeah.
2: Has it ever stayed on your mouth? Yet? Yes,
3: I made it through a night. <laughs> I'm trying. Like, I mean, the,
2: the, I could think it's
0: on. Yeah, I mean, go like, for it. Yeah, I'm like. like I'm I start spacing. cleaning up. Around you when you're not done, like if I spray Windex near Alex.
1: That I, okay, so that 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 is that I do I do not like that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: So
1: it's like, like I'm eating stuff I'm like, eating like, I'm like, I'm like I'm like i like I'm like I'm like breathing in Windex. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like calm down. I was like i will be going for like two minutes. Like or try,
0: if chill. I wear if I wear perfume that he doesn't like, like Alex is a super smell guy.
1: I'm a so I'm a big smell guy. If
0: I do something around him that doesn't smell like how he wants, like if I, if I spray perfume and then he's like, I have to go eat lunch. What are you doing? And I'm like. <laughs> What does me having perfect like I was here. like,
1: I don't want to bite the Chanel 9. You know what I mean? Like I'm to like beat a uh, sub right there. You know, it's definitely smell related. So like like if she if she like I mean, literally spraying around the food that immediately like, <laughs> my my biggest one. Yeah.
2: See, I'm the hard person where I'm the smell person. I'm all about smells, but he also has the hygiene issue. So I'm like, this is just a bad combo.
3: We'll be in like a tender, tender moment. And she'll be like, you smell terrible. And I'm like, you just ruined any, you just ruined it.
1: You freaking ruin I just it. am like, that's musk, baby. I was like, that's. <laughs> yeah.
3: I've tried that and it just.
1: Man, ancient man, this was cologne. This is like, this <laughs> yeah. is. All your pheromones right now are going nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny
0: story is we went to uh, Bear Lake in Utah. It's like a place we like going. And, uh, He was like, you just need to try this We'll not shower anything. I swear, after a day, you just, like, don't feel it. And I was like, fuck it, we're not around anyone. There's, like, 40,000 people in this town, like, on a high season. And so I was like, okay. So we stayed there, and I didn't shower for, like, three or four days. And, like, it was actually true, which is, like, by day two, I didn't feel like I wasn't power through it. It was weird. power through it. Gross. (laughs)
3: And it's it's healthier for your hair? It's
2: good. You can shower and not wash your hair. So. You just got to. Yeah.
3: On the bear lake comment, what other hobbies do you guys enjoy together? I'm gonna keep going. I told you that was a no, piggyback.
1: No, no. That was not a real. That's a piggyback. That's a little add on, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, we do, We love traveling together. I think that's probably one of our funnest. Yeah. We love traveling. We love trying new restaurants together. You know, I think we like doing uh like friend vacations. Like we go with friends. We all stay in the same big house together. It's one of our favorite things to do. Like we'll sleepovers. Yeah, slumber party.
1: Um. Yeah, I. That's. I mean, we work, we work out, and we eat out, and that's kind of like what our day is every day. And then we go on vacations. We're like work Like we work when we travel. Like we just like to be around.
3: You work out together?
1: No, but like we 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 both have the hobby of working out.
0: We right? sometimes yeah. if neither of us are following a split, like I'll be like, hey, can I just like do what you're doing? And yeah. I'll just follow Alex. I, I like go through phases where I'll do that. Gets school. Yeah, but I don't like bug him because I'm like, I mean, I don't use as so much weight as him, so
2: we can't work out together.
3: Sean mentioned the coaching thing earlier and that's whenever we work out, it's just like her critiquing my form.
2: I'm like, it's not go away. Babe. I've been it's doing this. It's protecting your body.
3: Oh my gosh. Anyway. Uh, all right, we'll let you go. Um, but for those listening who are unfamiliar with Alex and Layla, I highly recommend checking out uh, their YouTube channels, their Instagram, uh, profiles. We'll link it all down below, but they share a ton of, of useful information, very informative, very helpful. And as you just heard over the last uh, hour and 15 minutes, they're super thoughtful and uh, introspective. So Alex, Layla, appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, I'm just going to call dibs on part two in person, (laughs) but uh, thank you. Thank you guys for
1: having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you
2: guys.
3: All right. Real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No but we're gonna ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcast on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor?
2: We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners.